Warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Watch me shove this beer can up my ass. I'm proud to declare the Adam Sank Show and his ass open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This is fuckery. <laughs> this is all fuckery. <laughs> fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. Now, give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sang. Whoop, whoop. Yes, welcome, bitches, to the Adam Sang Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June 11th in the year 2022 at dnrstudios.com and the DNR Cast app, the only place you can hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Trying to reach for the virtual bell there. Uh, if you listen elsewhere, leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, wherever uh, else you listen. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Get your official ass merchandise, T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, hoodies, all kinds of cute stuff at adamsank.com. And remember, you can now call the ass hotline anytime at 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. Leave us a voicemail. When we're not on the air, get vaccinated and boosted and stand with Ukraine. Today's guest is a returning champion to the ass. He is the hilarious actor, playwright, YouTube personality, and all-around bon vivant, Drew Drogi. He's bringing his hit show, uh, Happy Birthday Doug, back to L.A. and New York for a very limited run later this month. Uh, but first, it is time to introduce everyone's favorite chubby chorizo, my fill-in host and permanent co-host, Steve Cesaro. Ladies and gentlemen. Hello. You know, thanks for having me. Hello, Steve. I know it was uh, difficult, uh, you know, my my pilot of chatting with Chubby Chorizo, and uh, the latest news is it was canceled by Adam Sink. It was not canceled. <laughs> it wasn't canceled. It was cute that we did it once, but once was enough. Um, yes, so for the listeners, uh, we are recording this back on June 4th when I am still stuck at home quarantining from COVID, uh, which means I'm at home. I'm connected via the magic of clean feed, which is as reliable as a condom with holes in it. And uh, Steve is in the studio with the queen of fuckery, J.B. Bursey, who's producing this show and holding it all together. Please give it up for J.B. Hello. Yeah. I, I have time to push the thing. I'm saying about the stuff. That's like fine. That. That's okay. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. So if the sound is weird to you all, uh, I apologize. It, it certainly sounds weird to me, but uh, we're, we're doing the best we can. Listen, the alternative would have been not to have an episode this week or last week. So consider yourselves lucky. We are so fucking committed to this show. I even came really? in early. I never come in early. I was here at 1032. Yeah, she, she really was here while, yeah. while me and Adam were troubleshooting the show, because I definitely text Adam and say, if you're going to be home, let's have 30 minutes for a show. Get clean yeah. feet working and figure out what the fuck's going on. And we did. This you is... have both performed admirably. I am uh, I'm proud to have you on the Ass Crew. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. You know, remind me, has either of you ever gotten COVID? 
Uh, I know Steve has. I have. Yeah. No, no to me. I have not gotten COVID. And I'm trying to keep it that way. <laughs> Good for you, JB. I Steve, yeah. when did you have it? I had it after my excursion to Puerto Vallarta, where I made out with one person, and my husband was very pissed because he said, please don't make out with this person. And I did, and got COVID. So that was my experience at Puerto Vallarta. Well, uh, if you'll remember, I got it back in October when it was the Delta variant, and that knocked me on my fucking ass for two weeks. I was really, like, it was one of the sickest uh, times of my life. But this time, I really, I mean, if, if I didn't know I had COVID, I would totally be out and about going to the gym, biking, hiking, fucking, you know, like, I feel totally fine. I was going to say, you I sound a, great. <clears throat> I have a little bit of a scratchy throat, but it just feels like I have a cold. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I'm glad that I know I'm positive, so I don't infect anyone else. It's just inconvenient. But, but let me tell you something. The boosters work, and also this is a, a milder variant, this Omicron BA.2 or whatever the fuck. So um, I'm actually, if I had to have it again, I'm glad I have it now and mm. not Pride Week, which is coming very soon in New York. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I had to miss a couple things. My friend Amy's birthday dinner, which I really wanted to go to, but I didn't have to miss anything like huge. No offense, Amy. Amy um, Schumer, <laughs> who we talked to last week, that Amy Schumer? No, Amy Slotnick. Amy uh, Schumer does not invite me to shit. <laughs> but um, anyway, thanks everyone for the well wishes. By the time you listen to this, I will be out of quarantine and uh, bent over a, a park bench. Speaking so of which, yeah. Speaking of which, today's lead story is about a new measure to prevent uh, sexually transmitted infections. And a new study finds that taking doxycycline after unprotected sex <laughs> significantly reduces your risk of STIs. Nice. You know, including go ahead, sorry. gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis. Basically, you have unprotected sex, as we do, and then you pop some doxycycline and you don't get infected with these things at a rate that you normally would. What were you going to say, Steve? I was going to say, as the angel that I am and never get any STDs, didn't I know. Oh, I should. Hold on. Never get any STDs. There we go. Um, <laughs> I, I have been. I asked our doctor, our shared doctor, about going on this about two years ago, and he was like, "No, because you can just come in and get a shot and get a medication, and it's much easier than putting you on this regimen." I'm like, "But I want it," and he said, "No." So maybe he'll change his mind. Well, he may be changing his tune because uh, in a clinical trial conducted in San Francisco and Seattle. Researchers examined this approach known as doxycycline post-exposure prophylaxis, or doxypep, which is also my new drag name. <laughs> and in doxypep, people take 200 milligrams of doxycycline within three days of having sex without a condom. Um, to qualify for the study, participants had to have had gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis at least once in the previous year, so they basically recruited a lot of hoes. <laughs> nice. Why uh, wasn't I? Where weren't we both recruited for this? Oh, I guess we were. I know, right? Location. There were 554 sluts in the study, and they were randomized. Either they took doxy, or they did not. 
and they found a significant decrease in the amount of STIs. And I mean, I see Tom's point, our doctor. Mm -hmm. um, you, you don't want to just be taking antibiotics all the time. It, it's a it's a it's a bad thing for public health because it creates resistant bacteria, Correct. which we are which we're already dealing with. Um, but at the same time, if you know that you're a big whore, and you're someone who gets STIs a lot, it's probably uh, safer for you, especially you know, like let's say you're on you're on prep uh, for HIV, as you should be if you're HIV negative and you're and you're having a lot of sex right. and you're having unprotected sex. Um, this is just one more thing to add to the regimen that would prevent STIs. But I think it depends on the person and what your lifestyle is like and and what your tolerance for risk is. Um, I've been on Doxy for many things over the years, but I am not someone who gets a lot of STIs, believe it or not. Wow. That's, so I have been on Doxycycline when I used to have um, acne. And yeah, I've taken it for that too. Yeah. And then for that summer, I believe that's when we were camping. I do remember I never got anything, and I was like... I just need to ask for this for my prescription for uh, acne so that I can have a great summer. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't take it all the time. I think I would just take it, you know, if I, if I know I'm traveling a lot, especially now that I live outside of New York City, like there's nothing up there. It's a hole of emptiness, myself included. <laughs> the trial, the uh, trial has yet to determine whether intermittent use of doxycycline may lead to increased antibiotic resistance in the bacteria that cause STIs or naturally live in the body. So that's that's the risk, as we yeah. said. Um, but um, this is uh, certainly a new tool in the fight against STIs. The trial was funded by the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, part of the NIH. So um, good to know. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I uh, you know, I have HIV, but other than that, I rarely, rarely ever get um, gonorrhea or syphilis or any of those. I used to get something called nonspecific urethritis a lot. Oh. Which is when your urethra just gets inflamed. And, um, and I also used to get epididymitis, which is when your epididymis, this little gland in your testes, used to get inflamed. And every time I would get these, the doctor would put me on antibiotics. And then I did some reading. I did my own research, as they say. And I found that if I just drink pure cranberry juice, unsweetened, not from concentrate cranberry juice, every time I have an onset of these symptoms, it, it uh, cures me within 48 hours. Wow. So I wouldn't use this for, for things like gonorrhea or syphilis, but for, for nonspecific urethritis or epididymitis, which can just be the result of like dirt getting in your shaft, uh, cranberry juice does the trick for me. Where are you having sex where dirt is getting into your shaft? Well, I mean, in the woods. On the beach, yeah, in the woods. Like, come on, you know gay men. They park get bench. anywhere they can. Come on. Right, as we learned earlier, park bench. Yeah. No, you can get urethritis from getting a little bit of soap in your pee hole, um, sweat. I mean, anything can infect. I, I just, I was prone to that, but it wasn't, I don't even think it was sexually transmitted. Anyway. Just my little tip for you all. If you're feeling anything down there, first try cranberry juice. If it doesn't go away, see your doctor. That's what I have to say. A tip Thank from you your for tip. That bell. <laughs> A tip from the tip of my dick. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting good at this, aren't we? Please come back. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, we should all be road tripping to Canada because Canada has announced it will temporarily decriminalize possession of small amounts of Coke, Molly, and other drugs. Yes, queen! 
I like this it. This is a three three year limited trial. They want to see how it works. Adults will be allowed to possess a combined total of two and a half grams of opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine, and MDMA. These substances themselves will remain illegal uh, in the, uh, the Great North, but adults found in possession for personal use will not be arrested, charged, or have their drugs seized. Instead, they will be offered information on available health and social services. You know, I support this for all countries, most especially the United States. Drugs, all drugs, should be decriminalized. Yeah. I think it was either Sweden or Norway, one of those nice Scandinavian countries, they, uh, or actually I think it was Portugal, they basically did away with all of their criminal statutes for drugs and instead they redirected all of the money that they had used for um, for arresting and investigating and imprisoning people for drugs, and they put it toward education and um, substance abuse treatment and rehab and things like that, and they found a dramatic drop in the number of, of uh, drug problems and certainly a dramatic drop in crime. This is not a criminal issue. These yeah. are things people do to themselves because they're addicts or because they want to party or because they want to cope or for whatever reason, it's not, it's a victimless crime um, until you criminalize it and then you suddenly bring in the drug cartels and the drug kingpins and the guns and the, you know, that's, that's where it becomes a criminal enterprise. If they just legalized all these things and spent all that money, instead of policing, they should just be using it toward educating people about the dangers of drug use and, uh, and, and treatment. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, you sort of take the example of different alcohol drinking ages in different countries. It's where people are allowed to drink normally, you know, a glass of wine at dinner. You know, kids, I think, like, the youngest is something like 12 or 13 or whatever, but it doesn't really matter in those households anyway. I feel like they just respect the, you know, whatever the thing they're consuming so much better because it's just normal. Um, you know, so if you just make something normal, they're really you sort of lose that appeal of like I'm doing something bad or I'm being a rebel. You're like, oh, it's there, I've done it. What? It's not a big deal. Where you know, it's sort of like the hunt of getting it is part of the thrill of doing it. Wondering if you're going to get caught is another thing. Everybody, you know, do you have it? Do you have it? Sort of thing. It feels like it creates sort of an excitement around it. Where if you just took the excitement away, then it's like, yeah, we're having a little bit of fun, but we don't need, you know, we don't need to chase the thrill of trying to. Of course. Get it. To I mean, me, I mean, look, like. we. we we know that prohibition doesn't work. It never has. Right. It didn't work when alcohol was illegal in the United States in the 20s, and it hasn't worked with drugs. It doesn't keep anyone who wants to find drugs from finding drugs. Yeah. All it does is create a criminal element, and also it leads to bad people getting bad drugs. You know, if, if it were legal and controlled and you knew you were getting really good cocaine... <laughs> Cocaina. I mean, there'd be less people going to the hospital. You know what's also interesting? Two and a half grams is a lot. <laughs> like that's, yeah. Well, <laughs> it depends on what it is. Yeah. I mean, but like... Yes, that's like, two and a half grams of Coke is a lot is of Coke. A lot. That's like an eight ball, right? No, an eight ball is eight, ten grams, I think. Right? Just about. Ten? Yeah. Cause, no way. Because an eighth of weed no. is 7.5. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I'm going to Google this. I'm convinced that you're wrong. Well, at WebMD also told you about urethritis. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but isn't because if you get a little a little vial of ten cocaine, grams, ten grams would be a half a pound of cocaine. Do you know how long that would last you? It's an eighth of an ounce. 
is an so eight ball? So three to th three to three point five grams. Yeah. Oh. Ten grams would be more than three eight balls. Don't ever buy drugs from me, Steve. Or you get a lot more for the price because I don't know what a fucking type eight ball is. Steve, <laughs> Steve will be like, I got you your Coke, Adam. That'll be $10,000. <laughs> Did you also get $10 worth? Listen, fuck? I'm Mexican. If I can make more money off of somebody, I will. <laughs> and you probably get good Coke, too. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Canada, uh, Canada legalized the uh, use of recreational cannabis for adults nationwide in 2018, which the U.S. still has yet to do, although it's legal in many states, including New York. In 2020, Oregon became the first U.S. state to drop criminal penalties, penalties, penalties. You're thinking of <laughs> penetration. <laughs> I enjoy a good penetration. Oregon became the first state to drop criminal penalties for the possession of some illicit drugs. It doesn't say which ones here. But yes, I'm in favor of um, decriminalizing all that shit and letting anyone who's in jail on a drug offense out of jail immediately. Meanwhile, uh, do either of you know the rapper Isaiah Rashad? I don't. I heard Not of her. Not to be confused. You, what'd you say, JB? I said, I heard of her. Someone tried to put me on to her, but I'm like, mm, she's not really for me. Not to be confused with Felicia Rashad. Uh, Isaiah Rashad um, has had kind of a wild year. Uh, in February, uh, leaks from two different gay sex tapes that featured him were released on Twitter. Uh, now, I know that it is morally wrong to view a leaked sex tape, but I'm a terrible person. And uh, Oh, he's when I cute. Hear when I hear there's a leaked sex tape out there involving a man, I always uh, search for it. And this is easily found on Twitter. I'm not telling you to watch it. I'm just saying you can. And in one video, he's sucking a truly magnificent dick. I mean, just such a beautiful dick. And in the other one, he's getting blown by two guys on their knees while doing poppers. Um, are you watching it? No, that's the gay blowjob sound that you have on the soundboard. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at it. Listeners, thank you for dealing with me. <laughs> Let's listen. Oh, hold on. Okay. <laughs> it is not Isaiah Rashad, just so everyone knows. But anyway, um, <laughs> to me, it sounds like a, a really good sort of like laffy taffy. He's like, yeah, exactly. So Isaiah Rashad hadn't addressed the, he didn't address it at first, but then he appeared at Coachella, and when he came out on stage, um, he came out after a, vi an, a, a video intro that said, the purpose of doing this was to embarrass him, however, that backfired when his video leaked, his dreams, and everything went up. Just before making his entrance, a video montage showed media commentary on the story, um, standing before the cheering crowd, Rashad thanked his fans for their love and support and said, I see all the messages and all that shit, all the positivity. Y'all kept me alive these past couple months, so we're going to keep this motherfucker running. Now, in an exclusive interview with fellow rapper Joe Budden, Rashad has opened up about his sexuality. Uh, in the interview, Budden says, So I have to ask you, you said your family knew, your grandparents knew, your girl knew. But for the people who didn't know, how do you identify today? And Rashad said, I, I'd say I'm sexually fluid. 
Budden responds, what does that mean? Rashad says, I'm still learning about it myself. I'm putting my head in the books to find out the basics of it. But basically, I'm not in full control when I walk into a room of who I'm attracted to. So good for him. I like it. It's also super cute. I think cute. it's great. Yeah. He's, he's cute, and you know, it sucks that somebody leaked this. <laughs> sucks. I, I will say, <laughs> I found it. <laughs> what do you think, JB? Oh, I, I, I found it. I haven't looked at it yet because I found it on the computer, so I have to send it to my phone so I can watch it in private so it doesn't play on the show. JB okay, is okay. working, Adam. <laughs> he is holding this show together for the both of us. He's doing research. He's doing research. Also, he's doing, he's doing real time research so that he can come. Oh, he's watching it now. He's turning it on. These videos. I mean, she's stuck a B dick. Like, she, she, she's a yeah, dick. He was, he was clearly aware oh, the videos oh were being made. Yeah. It's yeah. not like they were. The videos weren't made without his knowledge, but clearly they were leaked without his consent, and that is not okay. It's really gross. But I'm glad that he's using it as an opportunity to come out as fluid. And uh, you know, anytime a hip hop star, a man in the hip hop world comes out, I, I think it's a good thing. Yes, yeah, so it helps spread tolerance and acceptance. Let's give her props. Hit the yes queen for her. Yes, queen. All right, welcome That's to the community. <laughs> You're Welcome get to back the in two weeks. Yeah. He can have my fluids. <laughs> He's already gotten mine. Oh my God. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> I sent it to him in a package. I like that he likes poppers too. Ah, <sighs> poppers. Still Anyone who likes poppers is a man after my own dick. Oh. Um, meanwhile. <laughs> It is Pride Month. We haven't really made much out of that. Uh, it is June. It is Pride Month. Uh, it's not the best Pride Month because there's a lot of horrible laws being passed around the country that are anti-gay and anti-trans, and the Supreme Court may be rolling back all of our protections very soon. Uh, but the gay media is still celebrating, and there's a, there's a website called Pink News where I sometimes find stories for this show. They came out with an article called Seven Mind-Blowing Facts You Probably Never Knew About the LGBTQ Pride Movement. Now, you know I love a list, but these facts are not at all mind-blowing, and in fact, most of them are known by anyone who's been out for a day. So we'll just go through these seven facts, and you guys can tell me if any of them blow your mind. Number one, Pride Month is celebrated in June because of the Stonewall Riots. Knew that. Are you shocked? Is your mind blown? I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> JB is clutching his. <laughs> I'm clutching my balls. <laughs> Minor little suggestions, so those are my pearls. <laughs> Thank you. On June 28, 1969, police raided New York's Stonewall Inn. It served as a galvanizing moment, gave birth to the Pride mo uh, Movement as we know it. A year later, activists marched to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the riots. Um, in what was then called the Christopher Street Parade. It is generally considered to be the first Pride March. Number two, the Pride movement we know and love today wouldn't be possible without Brenda Howard. You know, now, I will say, I don't know who Brenda Howard is, yep. um, but it didn't blow my mind. She apparently was a, a leading bisexual rights activist and feminist who was instrumental in the early movement. She was heavily involved in planning that first march and she was also uh, she also planned a number of events that continued over the course of the week. Um, she's known as Mother of Pride. Aww. So you go, Brenda. Yes, Brenda. I we picture her talking like this. Hello, my name is Brenda Howard. <laughs> we all need to band together for Pride. She sounds a little like Gail. Oh my God, with like a New York accent. <laughs> Gail's actually in hiding. Gail is Brenda Howard. <laughs> I am Brenda Howard. 
think your butt is telling you namaz po favor. <laughs> okay, mind-blowing mind fact number three, the pride flag first came into being in 1978. Yeah, that one's pretty standard. I knew that. Yeah. It was invented by Gilbert Baker and first exhibited at the San Francisco Gay, Pri Gay Freedom Day. Back in 78, when I was seven years old, it quickly caught on to become for LGBTQ people everywhere. Of course, in recent years, there's been additions to the <clears throat> flag to uh, recognize brown and black communities, uh, lesbians, trans people, all kinds of people who felt that they were somehow left out of the rainbow, even though rainbow literally has every color in it. Um, so yes, the, the pride flag has changed, but continues to this day. Number four, pride was a natural response to the tendency to see queerness as a mental illness. I'm shocked. Yes, in the 1950s and 60s, homosexuality was considered a mental illness, uh, and people, many gay people were subject to conversion therapy. Um, the early years of the Pride movement, therefore, was focused on the idea that LGBTQ plus people should be proud of themselves, that they were not ill or wrong, and that idea underpins the philosophy of the modern-day Pride movement. Fact number five, the Pride movement spread rapidly once it started. And so did After my that legs. <laughs> and so did my legs. Thank you. <laughs> After the initial march in 1970, LGBTQ people across the United States and Europe began holding marches. In 1971, just a year later, there were pride marches held in Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, London, Paris, West Berlin, and Stockholm. Are you playing Love Will Take Us There, Jamie? Yes, yes, I am. You do the pride update, a little, a little, well, not a little pride update, but you're doing some it's, pride, and we haven't had it in so long. So I think it's very not? fitting. I love to hear Anne Steele sing that Me song. Too. Uh, most of the early marches were about liberation, but that gradually fell away. By the time the 1980s came around, liberation wasn't really used as a, as a term as much as simply pride. For example, San Francisco changed its uh, Gay Freedom Day Parade to Gay Pride Day Parade in 94. I might disagree with that. I think it still is about liberation, especially like if, some, if it's someone's first pride after they came out. Don't you think it's still liberation? I do. I think it's about semantics, though. The word liberation was used very heavily in the 70s about women's liberation, gay liberation. It, it just sort of fell out of fashion mm -hmm. as a word, not that the concept has changed so much. Yeah. Finally, and this shocks me, the LGBTQ movement is not allowed to thrive everywhere. <gasps> what? According to Pink News, homosexuality is still criminalized in numerous countries all around the world. In recent years, police have broken up pride marches in Uganda, Brazil, and Turkey, among other places, proving just how important the pride movement really is. So, no, I don't think queer people are surprised by any of these facts, but they're good to keep in mind as we celebrate pride. <clears throat> Meanwhile, here's a list I can get into. The Mr. Man website, which is the gay version of Mr. Skin, they've come out with a pride guide Hmm. with their list of the top gay, nude, and penis-filled streaming networks. Yes. So should I keep playing the song or no? <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> now, there are several lists here. We'll go through them quickly. The uh, streaming service with the most gay scenes is Netflix. You know, with th good. With 300, they have 322 gay scenes on Netflix. Not gay movies, but gay scenes, with Eastsiders being the most gay 
it's got 28 scenes all on its own. The um, the other streaming networks with gay scenes in order are HBO Max, Showtime, Prime Video, and Hulu. Then the next list is the most nude scenes. Mm. And I, I, by this they mean male nude. Again, Netflix comes in first with 726 male nude scenes. The number one movie on Netflix with male nude scenes is something called El Marginal, hmm. which I assume is in Spanish. It's got 28 yeah. uh, gay nude or male nude scenes. HBO is next, with Oz being their number one male nude show. Showtime, their number one show is Shameless. Prime Video, there's a show called El Juego de las Llaves hmm. that has 20 male nude scenes. I'm going to have to check out these Spanish male nude movies. And in uh, last place is Hulu, with 95 uh, male nude scenes. Their number one male nude show is something called Harlots. It's a good show. I've seen it. I like it. Oh, you have? What's yeah. it like? It's basically just about um, whores and their lives. Mm, that's all. But it's fun. It's like quick. It's fun. You can get into so it really pretty fast. much your life on blast. It is. However, there are whores back in the uh, early 19th century. So it's oh yeah. It's a little you know professional whores. The original. Yeah, the horse. it's historical. <laughs> you know what's fascinating? Remember when Netflix used to be um, a little bit more proper and trying to keep everything clean and family friendly? Yes. Now I Netflix do. is like fuck you. I'm beating HBO and good for her. Yeah, they've gone full horror. Uh -huh. However, Steve, you may have spoken too soon because this next list is the most penis scenes on a streaming service, and HBO comes in first place with Oz. There are 43 penis scenes in the Oz series. Oh, Oz number is so two, good. Number two is Netflix with 83 total penis scenes, and again, their number one penis show is this El Marginal. We are going to have to watch that. Yeah. Um, Showtime comes in third. Their number one penis... Offering is something called Gigolos. Um, Prime Video is fourth, and once again, El Juego de las Llaves <laughs> wow. has eight penis scenes. Hulu comes in last with eight penis scenes. Their number one penis movie is something called Normal People. Uh, I don't know if the, these are movies or series, by the way. And finally, the most butt scenes. For those of you who love ass, Netflix is number one with 718 naked man-ass scenes. Now, mm. compare that to only 189 penis scenes in HBO's number one spot. So there's a lot more ass than there is penis available uh, on streaming networks. There's but something Netflix, happening with men in the ass. There certainly is. <laughs> so Netflix is first. Their number one ass show is Elite. HBO is second. Again, Oz taking their top spot. Showtime is third. Shameless. Uh, Prime Video comes in with once again, once again, El Juego de las Llaves. <laughs> you sound, you know, your your accent is getting with every practice. You're getting so much better. It almost sounds like you're like me from Mexico. They have 23 ass scenes, and finally, Harlots on Hulu once again, 15 ass scenes. So check out these shows if you want to see naked dick and ass. I am definitely going to check out El Marginal and El Juego de las Llaves. <laughs> I can see your body move. I know you're far, well, you're a few blocks away, but I like that. El juego de las llaves. You're just very shouldery in there. I what like does it. that mean, Steve? Game of keys? The game of keys, yeah. It's just a weird El name. marginal, I would assume, is probably the margins? Or the margin? Yeah, something like that. No. Meanwhile, um, Steve, this next story is near and dear to our hearts because you and I both have a tushy toilet. I love my tushy toilet. 
uh, home bidet system. And in fact, you're the reason I have my tushy toilet. You're so welcome. I, you can't go without it, right? Like you go traveling and you're like, I just don't feel as clean without my tushy. I don't know how I ever lived without it. This I is a, a, a home bidet. It's very simple attachment. It hooks up to your regular toilet. You can use any toilet with it. And it squirts water into your ass after you eliminate. And it makes me feel so clean. I don't get hemorrhoids anymore. Yeah. It's not clean enough that you can bottom without showering, but it certainly makes you feel like you can walk around all day after shitting and not be disgusting. Anyway, Tushy Toilet has launched a Can I Eat Ass Yet page on their website. If you go to hellotushy.com slash pages slash can we eat ass yet, this is based on COVID herd immunity, and I'm going to say it is entirely non-scientific and should not be followed as a health guideline by anyone, but according to Tushy, if, you're, if you live in a state where 70% of the adult population or more has been vaccinated, then it's safe to eat ass. Again, this is so stupid because so eating ass... Eating ass does not pre present a greater risk for COVID than doing anything else with someone. I mean, kissing is probably a greater risk of COVID than eating ass. But anyway, if you live in Virginia, New Jersey, Illinois, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, Hawaii, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Connecticut, New Mexico, California, Rhode Island, Maryland, Washington, D.C., Maine, or Washington State, according to Tushy Toilet, your state has reached herd immunity and you are allowed to eat ass. Yes, queen! <laughs> All right, that's enough of the soundboard. I'm sorry. It's so stupid. <laughs> Tushy Toilet does not sponsor this podcast, but they absolutely should. They I can't should. think of a, a more fitting sponsor for the ass. Um, and despite the fact that they won't pay us, I highly recommend this device in your home. Um, too. Let's skip the Hunter Schaefer story. We'll do that next time. Uh, I want to talk about, this is a follow-up. We talked about the Southwest passenger who was arrested for jerking off four times on a flight next to a woman who photographed him and then told the flight attendant about it. He has now been ordered to serve 48 days in prison Aww. for He's just his masturbation. Jerk off with all those prison men. <laughs> what? He's just going to jerk off with all those prison men for 48 days. Exactly. His name is Antonio Sherrod McGarity. Uh, by the way, he's white. I know that you might think that's a black name, but no, he's a white guy. Sounds Antonio Irish. Sherrod McGarity. It could be Irish. He was sentenced to one year of probation after pleading guilty last week to his in-flight self-gratification during a Southwest flight from Seattle to Phoenix. Um, he was sitting, as I said, he was sitting next to a woman on the flight when he exposed himself to her. She suspected that he ejaculated because he licked a white substance from his fingers. <laughs> That is really intense. Uh, McGarity faced up to 90 days behind bars. Like I said, he only got 48, but he has been barred from flying commercially throughout the U.S. while on probation, and he's banned for life from Southwest Airlines, which if you got to be banned for life from an airline, that's not the worst one to be banned from. Maybe Spirit would be better. But, okay, who's, you know what I'm saying. Well, who's jerking off on airplanes? Like, I know trains are one thing. I know we live on top Antonio Sherrod McGarity. Like, sis, come on. I, I know, Adam, you have, I have never jerked off on an airplane. I have never fondled a man's knee to get to his large penis, ever. I've jerked off, let's, let's be clear, I've jerked off in the bathroom of an airplane by uh. myself, 
And I did do a little bit of touching with a passenger next to me, but it was totally consensual. And his name was Antonio Sherrard McGarity. His name is Antonio Sherrard McGarity. <laughs> on that note, on that note, our guest today is a returning champion to the ass. His acclaimed one-man show, Happy Birthday, Doug, is returning to Dynasty Typewriter in L.A. on June 17th and to the Soho Playhouse here in New York City for a four-day-only run during Pride Week. Here is a taste of Happy Birthday, Doug. Okay, listen, girl, lady, mama, sister, okay, I just need to say something. I just need to clear the er, <laughs> okay? No, about, about tonight. No, seriously. I know I wasn't invited. No, 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 Doug, don't be weird. Okay, honey, don't make this weird. It's fine. No, listen, girl, lady, I heard it was your birthday, and I was like, erm, hello, I know the bitch. I can just show up. Oh, <laughs> No, seriously, you never have to invite me. I'll always show up. <laughs> oh, my God, this place is crazy. It's, like, weird. Ew. <laughs> and please give a warm-ass welcome to Drew Drogi. Come on. So Drew, uh, we are, this is take two of our interview because the original one, the audio was so shitty that I did not want to play it for my listeners. So uh, thank you for agreeing to do this interview with us twice. Oh my God, thank you. I'm so glad. I was so jet lagged and I feel like I was completely nuts when I was on the phone, you know, so it was, and not nuts in a fun, chaotic way, but just kind of shitty and dull and mean and grouchy. So I'm so happy to be back. Yay. No, you were hilarious. It's just that you sounded like a, a long distance phone call from the 1950s from the, you oh, know, that's my, Germany. That's my aesthetic. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I live. They're I feel like all of school. my, I know it's my stuff is so old. Everything I have is my electronics are so ancient. Like, you know, <laughs> I have to go to Germany to get my laptop repaired. So I get it. So Drew, we just played a clip from Happy Birthday, Doug, which I saw when you originally brought it to New York. And now you are bringing it back. Why are you bringing this show back to uh, yes. New York and L.A. for these limited runs? Well, we were in the middle of, uh, we, you know, we, we got about five weeks in um, our run in New York before the COVID hit us. And so it was just that thing that just very unceremoniously we just had to end like everything else in the world did. And um, I wanted to do it again. I wanted a proper send off. And we were talking. And we we're like, it's pride. And let's do it again. Let's give a, a, you know, the show a proper closing. So we're just going to do one night in LA and we're doing four nights in, in New York and it's pride week. So I'll be there in the middle of all of it. I'm just so excited to be in New York and pride and finishing out the run of the show and then, you know, partying. And then do you think you'll retire it or do you think it's something you'll always want to bring back? I think so. I mean, I don't know. I never want to say never. Cause if there's always an, if there's an opportunity that comes up and I was my, my, my Palm Springs show, Bright Colors and Bold Patterns, I haven't done that one in several years. And I, 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 now I'm licensing that one out to other actors to do. And I, I'm, we're probably going to do that as well with Happy Birthday, Doug. So I, I, but I would do, would do it again. I, but I've written a new play that I'm, I get bored with my own stuff really quickly. And so like, I feel like after, you know, a lot of people have seen it and, um, and I hate keep asking people to come see the same thing over and over again. So I'm like, I think, um, I think this was it as, as far as I know. Well, yeah. light, licensing, licensing sounds like Monet. It's, you know, it's, it is a little bit, I mean, I, it's so nice that I never thought when I did the, the other show that it, anybody else would do it. And for, and then when friends of mine saw it, they were like, I want to do it. And I'm like, never, this is my show. This is my character. This is my, and then I got really, I did it about 150 times. And I was like, that's been great. I'm bored with myself doing this now. And, um, 
So, uh, and then we, uh, I had to end early and our show was still going well in New York. And so I was like, well, if Jeff Hiller could do it, he'd be brilliant. And then we ran, reached out to Jeff and he said yes. So he kept that show going for months after I left and, and he was amazing in it. And so I love watching the show. Oh, true. I mean, you know, it sounds so cheesy, but it's true that I, I learn about it. We just lost you went. there for a second. Um, but yeah, Jeff Hiller, Jeff Hiller is amazing. And, uh, I didn't get a chance to see him in, in the show, but I could totally imagine him killing it. This version of happy birthday, Doug is being presented by Michael Yuri. I feel like you're always doing things with Michael Yuri. Uh, what's the story with you two? Are you banging? Oh God, dare to dream one day, one day. Well, no, uh, no, we're like, we just, we're really good friends. We genuinely work well together and we've worked together as actors. We've done pretty much every role together from, you know, and this time he's producing the, me and the show, but you know, he's directed me, you know, uh, he directed the last show that I did. And so we're just, and he you know, acted just in, genuinely. didn't he act in um, bright colors and bold patterns? He, no, he did. He directed that. He, did, uh, he directed it. But, um, you know, but he has so much experience in doing because he did buyer and seller. He originated that the Barbara Streisand show. And so his expertise, you know, he's a genius writer and director, but he also specifically knows so much about doing solo shows. So um, he's perfect for everything. And anytime I can just have an excuse to hang out with him. He's also so busy. So like, He's one of those friends that you're like, we have to have a project in order to like actually see each other and hang out. We have to have like work. To do. Yeah, I get that. I have friends that I never see unless I have them on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which so, I guess begs the question, yeah. are they, are they really my friends or are they just looking for publicity? <laughs> I, I know. I know. We're, well, they're all like, I mean, LA is the worst in that way. Cause it's like just everyone's always and they're, you know, and it's like, if you live 10 minutes away, it's too far and everyone's always got, they're deep in their projects. So I yeah. get it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's sort of the actor's life, the artist's life. You mentioned doing um, one of the shows 150 times. Oh, my God. My fucking phone just went off in the middle of the interview. How oh unprofessional. God, God um, rude. Since you write and produce these one-man shows yourself and you do them over and over and over again, are they always the same or do you sometimes change a line here or add a tag? or Like how, how set in stone is the script um, each night that you get up and do this? I would say 98, 99% the same. I allow myself room to, to, to wiggle, to add something, to change something, to cut something. Um, because it's mine, I, and I also like to sound very conversational, and I like to sound like it's alive in the room and not written. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of solo shows have a very, like, sort of written cadence to them that I try to avoid that I want it to sound like I'm just in a room talking. And so sometimes it's going to be a little different, but it's pretty much the same night after night. Once I said it, it's pretty much the same show. Yeah. Cause with stand up, I've never told the same joke exactly the same way twice. There's always something right. that changes just cause exactly. I feel it in the moment. Um, Absolutely. Drew, Absolutely. did you get a chance to see JC Lee's play uh, to my girls when it was running at second stage here in New York? Yes, I did. I was able to catch it. I was just I was just in New York and I was able to 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 see it. Yeah, totally. What did you think? Because I, it seemed to me like well, it could have been written by you. It felt very much like a like a oh. piece, your work. 
Oh, well, thank you. No, I love it. I, I, you know, it's, I love seeing it because I get the comparison because weirdly there's so little gay theater about Palm Springs. And, and so I, I know that when it was about a group of friends in a house in Palm Springs, I was like, Oh, right. That's, I don't know why there haven't been 300 plays by, but you know, that would, there's so many on like, you know, Terrence McNally is always on, you know, the Hamptons or whatever, but um, yeah, I, you know, I feel like his, his take is very, is, is way more um, optimistic sometimes than, <laughs> than mine. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I sort of was like looking at that group of friends and, and saying, Oh, wow, that's, that's um, lovely. I mean, I thought it was so, I thought it was so funny, you know, um, but uh, you know, I think that I, I kind of, I have a more cynical take on, especially on like gay white men. Um, and I guess that the white character in that play was also the problematic one, the most problematic one. Um, and that's kind of our, yeah, our moment right now and what we should be owning right now, for sure. For me, that play was very much about sort of toxic gay white right. um, men. And, and that's, uh, by the way, I love that play. And I thought it was hysterically funny. I didn't understand why the, the um, reviews were so nasty. People seem to really hate it. Um, but uh, Jesse Green in the New York Times compared it to your work and uh, compared, you know, said your work was much better. So at least you got a nice plug out of that. <laughs> I know it was like that was very nice. And also just like I cringe. I mean, it's like one of those things that you like. It, it's I, it was so nice to even be mentioned in the conversation that, that he included me in the conversation. I also just think that we have to have room for a lot of different voices and a lot of perspectives and. It's very hard. And I mean, like, because a lot of people hate what I do. And a lot of gay people, you know, accuse me of, uh, you know, they'll say that, are you anti-marriage or marriage equality? Or are you anti-gay men? Do you hate gay men or whatever? They, so I don't know. I just, and I, of course I don't. But it's like, um, I just think there needs to be room for everything. I'm always inclu- happy to be included in the conversation. But I don't like when I'm, you know, counterpoint to somebody's. Trash. Listen, Trash any it. gay man who hates your stuff is one of the characters in your stuff. Like they hate it because they can't stand looking <laughs> in the mirror. Because your stuff is so thank you, just real. And speaking of toxic gay white men, you are uh, here to to reveal exclusively on the ass what your next uh, project is. Yes, I've written a new play called Messy White Gays. That's what we're talking about. It's actually five men. It's not a. It's not a one man show. It's their five gay white men. It's involving murder and brunch and New York City. And um, it, it, the point is that they are they are white and they're awful. They all think that they're really woke. They're all saying what they think is correct to say. Um, I didn't want to make like I know in JC's play he has a character who's a Trump supporter. I didn't want to go there. I, I I'm not really that. I, I know plenty of those people and I know that they obviously they exist and it's very sad when they are also gay. But I for me, I'm more interested in the more the subtle, the subtle racism and the um, the fetishizing and the exclusion. And I've never gone to a party that looks like the characters in JC's play. I go to a lot of parties where it's a lot of white guys and maybe there's one person of color in the room. And that's what I'm interested in exploring, like the why of that. And able to, you know, hopefully laugh at it. Um, so I, 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 it's very over the top. It's a farce. It's a, there's a, you know, there's a murder. It opens with a murder. It's basically Hitchcock's rope, um, uh, you know, in a, in a, in an apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> I am <laughs> which so is also ex- a, which is also rope. 
I'm yeah. so excited for this project. And when you get to the stage uh, where you're having readings of it, I would love to be considered uh, as please. A I would love that. Yes, please. I would love it. It's yes, my yes. dream. It's my, I have two dreams in life. One is to be in a Charles Bush project and another is to be in a Drew Drogi project. Oh my God. That makes my day. Wow. Thank you. And I'm, One day. I'm a very One convincing. Day. I would love to work with you. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm a very convincing, toxic, gay, white male. <laughs> Just put on all your acting, all your acting clothes, exactly. your wigs and all of it. You got it. Drew, what are the plays that have most inspired you over the years? Um, oh, you just dropped out for a second. Ob- obvious examples, but there, I can't not say. Oh, okay. Am I here? Yeah, you're okay. back. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Um, I can't. They're, they're, okay, great. They're very basic examples, but I can't not say Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Boys in the Band. Um, those are absolutely inspiring everything Two of that, my favorites. that I write. Yeah. I mean, they're, and, and I also think that for the nastiness that's in both plays, they both have, they have such a, they have so much, they're, they're crying out for humanity. They're crying out to not be these people and not make these mistakes and not do these things. And I love that the characters just, every time you watch those plays, you just, you're just like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't make, don't play that telephone game. Or don't make up the baby story, and don't. Do, but you know, um, they're just they're they're perfect. Um, I love them both. You're interested, it seems, in the dark side of things. Like you, you, you get you get a rush from exploring um, people who are really twisted. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's where I think we all have that in us. I think what's interesting to me is the people that you know, get pushed to that or that, that I don't know. That's when people are at their most interesting. I don't want to know those people in life. I don't want to be, I don't ever want to be at a party with George and Martha or, you know, the character, you know, but, but I feel like I have been, I feel like I, I, I'm more interested in that than I am. And it's sort of like, um, I don't enjoy feel good. Like I don't like feel good movies and feel good theater. I, 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 I want to feel good in life, but I go to, I go to, theater and movies to be challenged and to be like scared and to be upset. I, I really is what, why I love it. I think I'm the same. I think that's why I love your stuff. I, I like being shocked. You know, I like when, when someone's behavior yes. on stage and in life actually shocks me and I can't wait to call someone and tell them about it. Exactly. And you're like, if you, if you, if someone does exactly what you thought they were going to do or says exactly what you think they're going to say, how, how interesting is that? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. And I feel like now everything is so, we we're so afraid of doing anything. And I understand the, the moment we're in, but it's also like, I want to be, oh my God, I want, you know, do you know, John Waters is my favorite director. It's like, you know, I want that. I, I, you know, I want sort of, <laughs> Uh, an evisceration of society. That's what I, that's why I go to things. All right. Do you know what's a play that's on Broadway right now that I think would appeal to you if you haven't already seen it is the minutes. I loved it. Me and too. I know that a lot of people don't, but I thoroughly, I love Tracy Letts. I loved the mundanity of it. Why the fuck was Austin Pendleton not getting a Tony nomination? Because I my agree. God, that performance was masterful and Blair Brown and everybody. I saw it back when The Cannibal was in it. So I saw it uh, right before COVID when Army Hammer was in it. Um, but um, 
it was the cannibal. It was, I, I love that that he's now been reduced to the cannibal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic, and I and I know a lot of people thought the ending was too over the top. It, it, the ending is so crazy, and not we're not going to say what it is because. But I just was there for it the whole time. I was just like, bring it on. I loved it because in addition to being sort of this crazy, absurd farce, it's also about everything. It's about America. It's about history. It's about racism. It's about everything that we are grappling with right now as a culture. Um, But, but how, how mundanity. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I just, I loved how it was all. No, I just, I just loved how it was all about the mundanity of a stupid city council meeting and how shit gets pushed around and nobody answers for anything and no one will be responsible and how our, everything in government happens. It's just like all, it's all paperwork and red tape, but underneath it is severe racism, is unbelievable rewriting of history. It's misogyny. It's all these things. It's manifest destiny. It's all these things that we, we've built a whole country on and yet it's just like oh it's just the minutes and are we going to put a statue in the town square or not and it's like but underneath it all is just pure evil um and i i love that yeah it's a it's a good one um i hope actually that it wins best play on sunday at the tonys which will have already happened by the time most people listen to this episode but um i think it's not favored to win I think um, Lehman Trilogy is probably going to win, which I thought it was also a masterpiece. I don't yeah. really know how you compare those two. But I didn't get to I see them. Lehman Trilogy will win. It's beautiful. It was. It's stunning. But yeah. Hopefully, I'll get to see it. Drew, in the time remaining, uh, we don't have the bumper because we're doing this. Uh, I'm doing this at home, but uh, I will sing the bumper to ask me no oh, questions. Oh yay! Even better. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Okay. What That's has so been? <laughs> so much better. I love it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. What has been your most exciting celebrity encounter ever? Um, okay. I've had so many, but the, what comes to mind right now, oh, I don't know how exciting it was, but this is just crazy. Okay. Do you remember that play, which I went theater, Indecent, the Paula Vogel yes. play? Yes. Uh, okay. So uh, a week before I saw it, a friend of a friend made me go out to drinks with Betty Buckley. And <laughs> Betty Buckley... I kept, she ruined, she ruined Indecent for me because she told every step of the way, she went through every single part of it. And I kept saying, so nice to meet you. I don't want to be rude, but don't tell me. I'm going to see it next week. And I'm not a spoiler person. I don't care. Tell me that, you know, they were dead all along in the sixth sense. But I went and saw that play because she was like, and then this happened. And then, you know, and I sat, I went with a friend who was sitting somewhere else and he came out of the, he was dripping in tears. He was sought, he was, and I was stone faced. I had no reaction to this. I was so mad that this beautiful play didn't affect me at all. Cause I was like, Betty Buckley already told me the punchline that they all they get, get sent away. They all become sand. I, she told me the middle, the, the, the imagery, all of it. I'd already been told. So Betty Buckley ruined indecent for me. Shut up Betty Buckley. What the fuck was wrong with her? Why would she do that? She wouldn't stop. She wouldn't. Hit. I got to be like, don't tell me I'm going to see it next week. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. But anyway, there's no telling her. She lives in Texas and has a shotgun. So, you know, you don't tell that woman anything. <laughs> That's a hilarious story. My, my favorite celebrity encounter was when I met Madonna uh, 
backstage at a terrible play she was doing in the West End in 2001 or 2002. Oh my God. What play was she doing in the West End then? I don't remember the name of it. It was so awful. It was when Madonna was living in England and pretending that she was British and had like a terrible accent. And she played an art dealer trying <laughs> to sell a painting. And she ends up having to like sodomize this rich guy with a dildo in order to get him to buy the painting. Or so, there was, It was so gross what? and so terrible. But oh my, my God. But my boyfriend at the time was really good friends with this actor, Danny Pino, who was in the play. Uh huh. So that's why we, we flew to London to see the play and to meet Madonna. Um, oh, Every and it was time the, you put Madonna in a play or a movie, it's going to be terrible. Haven't it, we learned that? It was so bad, but we hung out backstage in Danny's dressing room. And then on her way out, she popped her head in. And he was like, hey, M." He's like, this is Adam and Philip from New York. And she goes, hi, Adam and Philip from New York. Did you like it? And I go, we loved it. <laughs> of course. What, what am I going to say? say? No, Madonna. It was yeah, terrible. No, I didn't like it. I have some notes. Like, oh, really? What are, I mean, like, oh, she seems so receptive to criticism. You know what? I just realized it was definitely 2002 because it was a big anniversary for the queen. It was like her 60, oh. 60 years on the throne or, or oh, okay. 50 years on the throne. Right. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Because she just had her 70th, right? On the, on the throne. Seven, yeah. Um, oh. Okay. Answer this question as Chloe Sevigny. What does Pride Month mean to you? Pride Month means to me happenstance, harmony, and hariness. What's the last word? Hariness. What's Hari Neff? She, <laughs> she's an actress. She's in, uh, I think she was on uh, Transparent. Oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> really beautiful, young actress. That's Yeah, anyway. When you lock into that impression, do the words just come out? you have to even think about what you're saying? Or do they just yeah, come they, to you? It's, I've been I've talking about 20 years. Uh, 2002 was how long I've been doing Chloe. It does, it does just come out. I, I'm really scared to improvise as her because I don't, I don't feel I, I like to be very specific and I think she's you know her whole thing is like she's an alliteration and all that stuff but um yeah it's kind of like mad libs at this point I can just plug it, things in and there she is what's the best movie to watch while stoned uh, oh my god there's so many I would say the apple um if you haven't seen this movie it was made in 1980 and it's set in the future of 1994 in which the music industry controls the world and everyone has to stop what they're doing and dance. It's a rock musical. It's an Adam and Eve parable. It's absolutely horrid and beautiful and wonderful. It, you know, and it's I, I know it's on Amazon. I've never heard of such a thing. Who's in yeah, it? Oh, oh, um, Catherine Mary Stewart from Weekend at Bernie's, and uh, uh, and is she in Invaders from Mars or one of those? Anyway, she was like, and and. Um, that's it. Oh, and Finola Hughes from General Hospital is like a, a background dancer. You recognize her. I love Finola Hughes. Yeah, she's in it. And then I'm trying to think of anybody else that's in it. The guy. Oh, oh, Miriam Margulies is in it. She plays. Oh my the, god. Yeah, it's it's so strange and horrible. Highly recommend it. All right, the Apple. Yeah, uh, that's going in our recommended viewing. Uh, Drew, which gay celebrity least deserves his success? Oh God, there's, you, there's so many that I want to say that I, that I can't. But, say it. Um, I, okay. I have mixed, does, does Patty Lapone count? Cause I hate her and <gasps> I don't understand. I, I know, I know, I know, but I find her 
so rancid. She's so, she's truly, I've seen her, I've witnessed her be so cruel. Not, not, not like the, like, I get, there's the diva. There's the like, I'm tired. I'm, you're not important. There's that. Who cares? I've seen her actually be cruel. I find her very dull on stage. I don't get her appeal. I say, I just stare. And I think also, I don't want, there's, there's like, there's an arrogant, I mean, there's like a, um, what am I trying to say? I don't think artists have to be all have to be nice people and good and like, oh my God, they're, they're so sweet. I don't think that. But when I know that you're just mean, I don't, I truly don't enjoy your work. Like I would never want to, I would never want to meet Madonna for that, you know, but I do think, I do actually like Madonna, you know, ray of light and back, but well, like I, will I say love this. her older. Patty LuBone is not a gay celebrity. She's a gay icon. I know, um, I know, I, I, I know. I happen to love her. Like, I think Evita is one of the greatest stage performances of all time. If not, like, like I can't think of anything, any woman who's ever been more powerful, or man for that matter, on stage. Um, mm. She does seem deeply toxic. I mean, I read her memoir, and every chapter is this person fucked me over and then this yeah. person fucked me over and this person made my life a living hell. And it's like, and then, or like I happily destroyed a dressing room when I found out about or whatever. And it's just like, it's yeah. I, I, I just, can't, I don't understand. Her. I mean, I get like, yes, the gay icon thing. And that we all have our people that we go, Oh my God. And my gay icon is Diane Weist. So like, I don't have the same sort of thing that I know a lot of people have about some of these these divas, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't get where she's coming with. But an actual gay, gay celebrity. A, actual gay celebrity. I don't know. I've said a lot. I don't know. Who do <laughs> you think? Burned, How would you you've already burned it? your Patty LuPone bridge. Oh, I'm happy to do that. I, I, I happy. I never, I never want to be in a room with her ever again. Um, what, uh, I don't know. Who do you think? <laughs> I mean, for me, it's Todrick Hall. Oh, one hundred percent. I got. I didn't even. I didn't even think of him. Because not only yeah. is he a terrible person, but I don't see anything so spectacular about him. I completely agree with you. First of all, we all had to endure those goddamn Virgin America tra- uh, training videos that he made us sit through. Every time he flew Virgin, and that you know, and about some safety tips, that shit was him. And that's how I feel about him. He is. He's Snapple. I mean, he's so awful. <laughs> and yeah, he's he's another one who's really toxic. Super so, yes. toxic. All right, Thank Drew. You. Speaking of divas, what should fans bring to your dressing room to present you with after you've performed for them? Flowers, chocolates, or something else? Oh, uh, I would love uh, Campari and gin and sweet vermouth because I'd love a Negroni after the show. Oh, a little potion Negroni. Yeah. Happy birthday, Doug. Runs at Dynasty Typewriter June seventeenth and opens June twenty third at the Soho Playhouse here in New York for four performances only. Tickets available at SohoPlayhouse.com. How can people follow the wonderful Drew Drogi online? I am. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Drew Drogi and Instagram at Drew underscore Drogi. Thank you so much for doing this twice. Adam, I'm hoping so that the much. audio works this time. Oh my god, me too. I adore you and adore you um, put me in one of your projects. Yes, please. I would love that. It's so right. to see you. Bye, right. honey. Bye, honey. Stephen so GB, plug you yourselves. I am Cub Mexi on Instagram and Steve Cesar Medina on Facebook. I am Stacking Anarchy 12 only on Instagram. 
Thank you so much. We're back live again next week with acclaimed comedian and actor Rick Chrome. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at adamsank and on TikTok at adamsankofficial. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches, and happy Bye. Pride. Happy Pride.